Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We'd especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Jared Kernop, Raging Demon, Masked Llama, Ozzy Garcia, Keith Gasper, and Dischimera. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 94 of Retro Hangover. and classic gamers welcome to the podcast where we are yearning your year yelling young yelps this is episode 94 of retro hangover i am your co-host chris copeline with as always your host shane greasy dick dragon pizza koski <laughs> Okay, you you had me there for a moment because I was wondering if you were going to include pizza in that. Otherwise, I would just be a greasy dick dragon, and nobody likes that. I I was going to put the pizza after the uh, dick, but I I just flowed right into it. It was so natural. I just had to do it, and I was like, shit, I gotta get pizza in there. Gotta make it work. No, no, yeah, no. I mean, I I get it. You're you're in the moment, you know. I I also feel like we should have included yo yo somewhere in the pretentious preamble but you know that's fine ah yeah you're right we'll be talking more about yo-yos later we certainly will be because we're talking about yo noid today yo noid or yo noid <laughs> uh because there's an exclamation point uh an nes game by capcom and i i'm sure we are excited to talk about it i actually think it's a surprise game for both of us it is even though like i played it before we'll, we'll get into that but before we do, let's talk about the games we've been playing. Mm. Shane, how about you kick us off? What have you been up to, dude? I mean, besides embodying the Noid, you mean? Let's see. Well, so actually, I've, I've, I've been making a concerted effort to try to justify my, uh, my monthly Apple Arcade subscription lately, <laughs> since I have, in fact, been paying for it and have not actually been playing any of the games. So. The past uh, week or so now, I guess, I, I have been syncing up my PS4 controller to my trusty iPad and checking out some games on the old Apple Arcade, first of which that I dove into being uh, the, the, the Shantae and the Seven Sirens. So I am, I think, according to my save file, somewhere between like 50 to 60% completion on that right now, and I think I'm roughly almost 10 hours in. So I'm suspecting it's about a 15 hour game, give or take, depending on how long it takes me to get the rest of the collectibles and whatnot. But as with the other Shantae games, it is solid. The writing is excellent. Um, I'm enjoying myself very much. So it's a great little Metroidvania platformer. 
Um, and then I, I downloaded what the hell was it called? Fantasian, I think, is the other one. Um, I haven't started playing it yet, but I was intrigued because it is an RPG by the creator of Final Fantasy. Oh, it's a Sakaguchi game? I, I believe so, yes. That's weird. I haven't even heard of it. I just see people posting about it, but I haven't I have no details on this game. Yeah, so it's it's published by Mistwalker um, for iOS, like specifically, I think. And yeah, it was uh, written and produced by, by Sakaguchi um, with music by Umatsu, by the way, so... Those two are inseparable. Oh yeah, for sure. So I'm I'm hoping that it's a it is a worthwhile experience, but I'm I'm waiting to start that until until Shantae is finished. I also started playing Towers of Everland on Apple Arcade, which is uh, basically a I'm gonna say somewhat stripped down take on the like wizardry slash Ultima like first person um, dungeon crawler kind of experience. It's it's been enjoyable so far. Uh, it, it's got some of the trappings of a free-to-play game, which is weird considering it is not free-to-play. It's part of this subscription in that it has like daily quests and stuff, which uh, I'm not a huge fan of anymore. I'm trying to get away from those kind of games because I don't <laughs> want to feel that compulsion to have to do something every day. But outside of that, it's it's been pretty uh, pretty fun. I'm always a sucker for those like old-school first-person RPGs like that. It's part of the reason that I liked uh, Legend of Grimrock so much. So, but that's, uh, that's been kind of me for right now. I'm trying to make use of that five or six bucks a month that I've been paying to Apple. So, uh, but what about you, man? What, uh, what's been keeping you busy? I beat shining force three scenario two, and that game is quickly becoming, I mean, there's, there's three games. Mm -hmm. When I say this, that game, I mean, shining force three, this game is becoming probably my favorite strategy role-playing game of all time. Really? I'm not going to say. Yeah, it's not better than Final Fantasy Tactics, at least from a like a gameplay standpoint. It's it's not nearly as deep. In fact, it's extraordinarily basic. Mm. But just the way that it executes its plot, how you get characters, the, the, the fact that decisions that you make impact things that happen in the other games, kind of like Mass Effect in a way, just not as deep, of course. It's more like, hey, you get this party member or you don't get this party member or this character dies, or this character does not die. It's wild. Like, it, it's just blowing my mind that Sega executed this in, in such a fashion in 1998. So I started Scenario 3. We'll see how that goes. But so far, yeah, I'm absolutely loving this game. I mean, the gameplay is really good, too. I mean, why wouldn't it be if I'm going to be enjoying it? If it sucked, I, I probably wouldn't care how much carried over from Scenario to Scenario. But I'm, I'm having a blast. So... I have to admit uh -huh. my ignorance of the Shining Force series. I mean, is it all tactical, like grid-based RPG combat, like tactics? Or yeah, I mean, for a comparison's sake, it's probably closer to Fire Emblem. Okay. In, in fact, I think it is. For you know my ignorance on this, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it is Sega's answer to Fire Emblem. I gotcha. So it's yeah, it's almost the exact same. Have you have you played the original Shining Force? Oh, yeah, I've played all of them. Uh, I played Shining Force one and two. I haven't beat one or two. I made it pretty far in two. Just that two is really long. Uh, my my thought process, it just it feels like it goes on forever. Uh, Shining Force three. I mean, I just think it has a better, well told plot. I mean, there's a lot of plot beats that are similar to tactics, but that just seems to be a Japanese staple where, you know, you're a ragtag group of people going around the countryside and embroiled in a political war between kingdoms and it questions, you know, all that questions about war and stuff mm -hmm. that get thrown in there. So it's 
Yeah, it's just things I've seen a lot in that era of RPGs. For the most part, if they're set in a medieval time frame, it's oh, we are fighting for this, but everyone's poor and see it from every side here. And it's, you know how it is. You've played enough games from that era. Yes. War. What is it good for? Exactly. I was surprised there was a part in scenario two where it, it kind of took me off guard. Now, granted, this is a fan translation, but there's a battle where you take out a general a general of a, a opposing army. So you're like the empire and the empire is kind of this super aggressive group that's trying to reclaim land from an area called the Republic that broke away. And somehow the Republic has a king. I don't know how that works, but I drag I drag us. Yeah, really? The Empire and the Republic. Interesting. Yes. Yes. The <laughs> Empire and the Republic and the Republic has a king. So ah, not not an yes. emperor, though. No. OK, no. Just want to be clear on that. No, the Empire has an emperor. But uh, you go to this city, which is a city that. So essentially, the Republic broke off from the Empire. Mm. And you go to the city and you kill this general that because in the second scenario, you're the son of the emperor, the like the third born son who was born to a commoner. So you're not regarded that well. And you go kill this general and then you take over this the city that, you know, was part of the Republic and now they're, you know, reclaiming the land. And the emperor goes, oh, well, the general betrayed me. And his wife is, you know, the general's wife is pretty much pleading, saying, you killed my husband. You left these children fatherless. And he's like, yeah, OK, we'll just execute all of you then. <laughs> As the kids just like, I don't want to die. And then your character's like, please don't kill them. So they they stay their execution. I was like, holy shit. I was not expecting this in a Shining Force game because it's usually a little bit more bright and colorful. It's just the discussion of ki- killing children wasn't necessarily on the menu in my mind for a game like that. But apparently it exceeded my expectations or subverted it. I'm not sure which direction I'm going with that, Mm. but it was definitely something I was not expecting. All right. So what I'm hearing is that I'm going to have to go back and play Shining Force at some time so that we can do an episode about that in the future. Oh, absolutely. Okay. It's going to be hard to play, though. If you can, I mean, Saturn emulation is getting a lot better, so you might be able to. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's uh. Uh, consequently that is also an issue that is going to crop up for an episode later this year now that i think about it that's a little bit easier uh for that one that you're talking about i mean this is harder because it's going to be three 35 hour games i mean i i mean i was just talking about the first shining force but yes oh the first shining force not shining force three i got you no 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 yeah that's a genesis game you can play that easily that's no that's no yeah see oh there you go so enough about Shining Force. I think we need to be talking about pizza crushing mascots. I think that's what's important today. Wouldn't you agree, Shane? I I I I, I would always agree. Pizza is generally more important than most things, even if even if I probably shouldn't be eating it because I'm old. But yeah, fuck it. Let's go. Yeah, it's just like sex. When it's bad, it still gives you a disease. So with that being said, what kind of pizza recording- are you eating? <laughs> Jesus, got to get that good dumpster pizza. Yeah, dumpster pizza. With that being said, Shane, how about you give us the brief history for Yo Noid? Who doesn't like blatant, shameless product placement? Okay. Probably most people. Unless you're a game company's marketing exec. 
In which case, this type of thing gets your willy all a tingle. Typical brand shilling is usually limited to in-game advertisements or promotional coupons. Capcom, not one to settle for average, took this corporate symbiosis to all new heights in the early 90s by completely overhauling a game to become one giant advertisement. On March 16, 1990, Capcom released the relatively obscure Kamin no Ninja Hanumaru on the Famicom in Japan. Apparently, the game did well enough to earn a localization in the United States. There was only one problem. The game was too Japanese. Now, this was actually a fairly common assessment for the era. If a game was considered to be too culturally unfamiliar, contained licensed properties largely unknown to a particular region, or had elements deemed too controversial, the game would be subject to often radical design changes in an effort to make it more appealing, and thus commercially viable, in the West. Black Belt for the Master System is a prime example of this. However, rather than reskinning their game with a generic alternate theme, Capcom would go a different route by featuring the mascot of a well-known restaurant chain. In 1986, pizza giant Domino's tasked Group 243, their advertising agency at the time, to cook up a mascot for a new marketing campaign. The result would be an odd, vaguely human creature in a red jumpsuit featuring rabbit ears known as the Noid. The Noid was meant to be the embodiment of all the challenges faced by Domino's delivery drivers in adhering to the company's now famous 30 minutes or less guarantee, doing everything within its power to stop that piping hot pizza from making it to your door. Like most of its other antagonistic mascot contemporaries, however, the Noid would invariably fail in this endeavor. Capcom saw the Noid's wily Coyote-esque antics and madcap personality as the perfect replacement for their game's playable character. Hanumaru's pet attack hawk would be replaced with a yo-yo, while several of the game's levels would see a complete redesign to better fit the new pizza-centric theme. On November 22nd of 1990, Yo Noid was released to North American audiences. Because the game was not generally considered to be a major release, coupled with the relative lack of gaming publications in circulation at the time, finding reliable reviews and sales numbers is surprisingly difficult. However, what information we were able to unearth typically paints Yo Noid as a competent but below average platform. While exact sales figures may be unknown, the game itself has managed to garner somewhat of a cult status. Though to claim this is the result of a groundswell of unrecognized appreciation may be a bit misleading. Yonoid's notoriety is largely rooted in today's meme culture, a game that is such an oddity that its mere existence is often brought into question and is treated as more of a curiosity than anything else. And that is your brief history of Yo Noid. Thank you, Shane, for that brief history. I now want to go to Domino's Pizza. Actually, I don't. 
But uh, <laughs> yeah, it is interesting that the Noid has come back in commercials. It's shocking. Uh, it might not be a coincidence. That's why we're doing this episode. But I mean, yeah, it c- could be. It's just, you know, just I don't know. completely serendipitous that we wanted to talk about Yo Noid of all things right now. So, Shane, like, do you remember the Noid at all as like a kid? Do you remember these Domino's commercials? Because I, I really don't. I So I actually do. I, I remember seeing these on on TV. And granted, it's like kind of vague. Uh, because if you look at the timeline on this, right, it was what, like just at the beginning of the 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s. So it might have been that what I remember was just some like residual shit about the Noid or something, because, you know, they created the Noid the year I was born. Right. So <laughs> so it's not like, you know, I was like, yeah, I was two years old and I v- vividly remember the Noid. Um, to be fair, that probably would have been a a scarring incident more than anything, I think. But, but yeah, I, I, I kind of vaguely remember this stuff being around. And then the thing is the Noid in some fashion, like never really went away. Like it's always been somewhere in pop culture. Um, even if it's kind of faded into the background for quite a long time, it's kind of been a meme even before memes. I remember it being like commercial, like not commercials, but, uh, animated shows they'd rip on the Noid. I think family guy did it a couple times too. It's always here, right? It's always been around. Now, like my first introduction to the Noid was this video game. Mm -hmm. I don't remember when I got it. I just remember I was a kid. It was probably early 90s, 92, 93. Got from a garage sale. And it was this video game. Like I played Yo Noid on the NES without even knowing what the Noid was. It was just a Nintendo game for my enjoyment. And that was my introduction. And uh, I never really, I don't think I ever beat it. That's not surprising. Yeah. Coming back to it now, I absolutely know why I didn't beat it. It's yeah, it's it's a tough game. That is for damn sure. But uh, other than the commercials, did you have any interaction with this game whatsoever? You know, I've been trying to rack my brain about that because I have this like real hazy idea of this game that like I feel like I played it on an NES at some point, like when I was a kid, I, I certainly didn't own it. And I, I don't remember anybody I knew owning it or I don't know. I can't pin it down. I, I don't know. It's it's or maybe this is just some weird, like intrusive noid thought. I don't know. But I, yeah, I have this real vague notion of experiencing this on an NES. I just could not tell you where or when. It's the Noidella effect. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's it. I mean, if we want to dive for a second into some deep shit about my personal history, part of the reason that I'm familiar with the Noid is because my parents owned a copy of uh, Michael Jackson's uh, feature film Moonwalker, which if you have not watched that, I highly recommend it because it is banana pants fucking crazy. It's fucking great. And uh, I watched it a lot as a kid which may say some things about me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But during one of the claymation sequences in that movie, the Noid actually shows up pretty prominently. So that's like one of my memories of the Noid is being like inextricably associated with both Michael Jackson and super fucking weird, like claymation shit. Yeah. The eighties and nineties were a weird time, man. 
I mean, they had, they had some good stuff. I mean, that's right in line with like stuff like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Just bonkers shit that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And it's just there because they were finding new ways to do shit. So why not? Wasn't the Noid like Claymation too? I think he was Claymation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I mean, originally, apparently now he's totally CGI, of course. But yeah, unless he's running into electrical wires for some reason, then right. he gets pixelated, too. But speaking of the Noid, his motivations, right? I'm, I'm trying to get this straight. Motivations in the commercials is to stop delivery drivers. Yes. Just to, to stop them. He's he's a bad guy. Correct. Yes, he is. For all intents and purposes, an antagonist. Yes. Yes. Okay, getting into the plot of this game, essentially what the the Noid is tasked by the mayor to recover the pizzas and be a good guy. It's so not kind of like so according to the plot synopsis of this, some villain named Mr. Green, which I believe is the evil duplicate of the Noid, has unleashed a bunch of wild creatures and then also random humans, I guess they're henchmen, I suppose. I don't fucking know mm-hmm. around New York City. And so the mayor of New York decides to to to, to call upon the Noid to to save the day um, by offering him a massive pizza reward um, at the end of at the end of it all, which, to be fair, I think is actually a pretty good deal for the mayor. I think the Noid's oh, kind of getting yes. screwed there. You could buy a shitload of pizza for like 100 bucks, but. You know. <laughs> so here's a hundred here's a hundred bucks, but 1990 money is probably like 50. So, yeah, the yeah, the mayor is is really getting a good deal. He's screwing over that Noid. But I mean, that's OK, because Noid's a bad guy, even though he chooses to save the day. Why wouldn't he just like go to Domino's? Why? Like, why would he give a shit? Dude. OK, <laughs> trying to apply any logic to what we can loosely <laughs> refer to as a plot here, I, I don't think is going to work out very well for us because much like the Noid himself, this makes zero fucking sense. Like, why, why would the mayor go to the Noid of all people or whatever he is? I'm not sure the Noid's a person, but like historically the Noid has just been an asshole to pizza delivery drivers. Like that would not be my first choice to save the city. No. And does he like have a gremlin complex going on? Because as far as the Domino's cannons, you know, Domino's cannon is concerned. There's only one Noid. So did they what pour marinara sauce on him and he multiplied and that's why he has to save the day. I just, I think, I think they might breed, you know, like (laughs) rabbits like their jumpsuits suggest. I just, oh. I have a lot of questions about this. Also, I don't know canonically if there is only one Noid. And the reason I say that is because th- there was a game that was made prior to this one in 1989 called avoid the Noid for personal computers. And that mm. one also featured just like a metric fuck ton of Noids. Like you were a delivery <laughs> driver trying to make deliveries with a certain time limit. And you were trying to avoid like buildings just infested with noids. So I'm not sure of the canonicity of there being a singular Highlander noid. So this is just the good noid. The mayor went after the only pure and humble noid to save the day from the other noids. Sure. Why not? I guess (laughs) we'll go with that. We'll make sense of it. Who knows? And this is also the mayor, not the mayor, because that's how they spell it in the intro. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, 
translations, right? But do you know what actually did translate well was the gameplay. Mm. I think the gameplay uh, actually shocked me, man. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I'd go back to this and, you know, early stages of the notes. I was just going on memory before I sat down and played it. I was like, yeah, it kind of sucks. When I started playing it, you know, for this episode running through it, I'm like, oh, like this is actually pretty solid. The gameplay here, it is for the most part, the Noid does what you want him to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it moves the way he wants you want him to attacks the way it's pretty solid pretty good controls overall a little floaty i just totally was not expecting that going back no me either and you know i I would say that it was surprisingly good for a product tie-in game but then again you have to think i i honestly believe that that is solely due to this just originally being a standalone ip with you know a, a pizza skin put over top of it i think if this had been just a cash in game from day one I think it would have been a lot worse, but I, I think overall it does benefit from, you know, it's it's original roots, if you will. Yeah. Well, it's also Capcom because Capcom, especially back then, was Capcom putting out any real stinkers? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Having said that, uh, it is still definitely Nintendo hard. That is for sure. No, yeah, it definitely has that Nintendo difficulty. You, you die in one hit. Uh, so no life bar. Enemy placement can be complete and total bullshit. They're cheap shots. Oh, my God. What do you think of those boxes that threw out the stupid bugs or whatever they were? God, fuck. Well, you know what? Fuck those things. But I'm going to be honest. The thing that actually bothered me the most was the the fucking fish. The first level? Yes. Yes. Because it's like immediately when you jump into the game, like. The way that that level is set up, you're you're kind of like on a dock or whatever, right? Yeah. The first things that you see as far as the fish enemies is that, you know, much like whatever, fireballs in Mario or the piranha plants or whatever, they they bounce up and down from like a pit. Mm-hmm. And the level is structured in such a way that I think the first fish you see is jumping up and down in the middle of a pit. And you're like, oh, I understand what this is. But they don't fucking stay in that spot. And nobody tells you that. So like you could be standing on a solid platform thinking you're safe and then just fucking out of nowhere, a fish will jump up directly underneath you and one shot you. That's bullshit. I didn't have that problem. Yeah, that happened to me. Yeah. What I noticed about the first level, too, is if you just keep moving and you don't stop moving, the fish don't really fucking bother you. Well, see, but that's also completely counterintuitive to how you're probably supposed to play the game which is yo-yoing the fuck out of everything through the entire level because there's so many hidden items that are just in random spots in the background of a level that you kind of have to jump around and just throw your yo-yo like a maniac if you hope to get any of those hidden card items which you will need for the boss battles which we'll get to in a minute yeah well i'll say overall i mean that that was kind of distracting I still, when I was playing this game, I still tried to consistently move forward. But yeah, you, I would have to constantly use my yo-yo, like even when there's no enemies around, just because, yeah, you'd randomly throw your yo-yo out there and you get like a, a, a double icon or a triple icon or, you know, the pepper or Tabasco sauce. Mm-hmm. Like they would just appear just because you're whipping out your yo-yo and you have no indication. There's nothing there to tell you that, you know, by by doing that, that you're going to get that. Like, it's just completely random. No, 
No, there's no, it's not like it's inside of a breakable item or anything. It's just an empty spot on the background. Mm-hmm. There, there's no way of knowing where those are unless, I mean, and this is going to be a theme through, I think most of this, much like a lot of Nintendo era games like this is that like, if you want to really, you know, get good, it's going to take a lot of memorization. That's, that's really what it is. Yeah. Oh, the worst part about the level memorization is unlike a lot of Nintendo games during this time, unless you go to the bonus stages and I don't know if you found any of them because there, there are bonus stages in this game. I found one. Yeah, I found one too. It was a whack-a-mole level. Yep. Yeah, I think it was in the zombie level. Mm -hmm. That's the one I found. If you do that, you can skip through to the end of the stage. This takes you there, which is awesome. And it also gives you a continue. But if you don't, if you die before you get any continues, you don't have continues. So you're not going to be able to memorize these levels unless you play all the way from the beginning of the game if you run out of lives. Right. So it's kind of a rough go. Uh, even for a Capcom game, because usually Capcom games are pretty forgiving in that in that way. Like even Mega Man, as much as people like to bitch about that game, it's fairly forgiving in how you can like conquer the robot masters. It's like you can just get kicked out the level and you can pick a different one. Whereas this one is like, no, just fuck you. So <laughs> it's kind of rough. Yeah. Yeah. You you are on a very linear path. And that's that's pretty much pretty much it. I mean. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, I mean, I do just want to reiterate that, you know, the, the 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 controls and stuff are actually really tight and surprisingly well done. So it's not, you know, it's not a terrible game by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, there there are some choices that were made here that I don't necessarily agree with. I, I think we should give them credit for maybe being creative, but the implementation maybe a little lacking. So. Before we get to talking about the boss battle encounters, such as they are, we should probably cover a couple of the different, like semi-unique mechanics that were incorporated here. So let's start. Let's start with the skateboard level. How about that? How how do you feel about that, Chris? Uh, it, it's a fucking shitty level. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> uh, uh, so here's here's why, in my opinion, and even looking at what you wrote up in the notes, I think we have the same opinion on what's going on with it. It's inconsistent on how the mechanics work. Yep. First of all, it's just like you're going up and down ramps. The only difference between the skateboarding level and every other level is you're constantly moving, but you don't necessarily always have to move because you stop. It's just you can't use your yo-yo. So how you attack is you're supposed to be on your skateboard and you're supposed to jump at things. Sometimes this works. Sometimes it doesn't. I was going to say, but is it though? Like, is it? Because I actually went and looked looked something up on this because I died so many times on the stupid fucking skateboard level. And like, yeah, what I found as a description was that apparently you are able to run into and kill enemies as long as you have downward momentum, like on a hill. I don't know how accurate that is, but that's not true, because sometimes I would be going straight and I jump and I kill enemies. So what you have to be coming on the downward momentum of the jump too. I, I, I guess that doesn't make any sense. I, I have no fucking idea. And that's and that's the thing, right, is it is so inconsistent that you will you will suffer many frustrating deaths on this level simply because you are never entirely sure whether it is safe to hit an enemy or not. And this is one of many instances in this game where I was so grateful for save states because I cannot <laughs> imagine trying to finish this game legit 
on like original hardware. I didn't have that much of a problem with the skateboarding level. It's just that I, I the, the inconsistencies frustrated me. I mean, I made it through them like my first or second attempt. It, it wasn't that it was a hard level. It was just it was confusing about what counted and what didn't. And the fact that you could kill the the bombs, some of the enemies drop, you know, the, the bombs that come down and, and they run along the ground. You could kill them by jumping on them. Right. But if you didn't jump, they would kill you, even if you're like flashing. It's yeah, it's not consistent. A lot of the platforms, they blend into the background, so it's hard to tell if they're platforms or not, too. But there's no case that they're not. And like the fact that you have to have that really long jump at the end of the level and it doesn't really give you an indication of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty big fuck you, too, because it's like if you didn't have the momentum to make that jump and you didn't know it was coming, that that is a guaranteed death. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a cool idea. I like the fact that they're breaking up the gameplay because that's relatively early. The other thing is I like that that's the only level where you have to do that. There's no other skateboarding levels. Yeah. So if you like it, it's there. If you don't like it, you don't have to have to fuck with it ever again. So that's nice. Now, the other one that they give you multiple of, I think there's three of them is uh, is the is the helicopter or auto gyro or whatever the hell you want to call it. Essentially, you're you're on a wheel, you're pedaling and you're creating your helicopter. That thing. I don't know what yeah. you call it, an auto gyro. Well, I think that that's what they called it, I think, officially in the game. So, yeah. Yeah. So it just it starts the level. It, it doesn't give you any indication you're about to play one of these levels. And it just throws you in the level and then you just plummet. I was so mad. I was so mad. I died like at least two or three times because the level starts and you plummet from the top of the screen down to your death in like a fraction of a second. And I was just like, what the fuck is happening right now? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> There's no indication that that you're supposed to do anything. And then I just started mashing buttons and fortunately realized like, oh, this is fucking Flappy Bird. That's what it is. It's Flappy Bird before Flappy Bird, where you just need to keep pressing the button to keep yourself in the air. You have more control than Flappy Bird, but it's the same concept. Yeah, you press the you press the jump button and you do an arc. And you essentially have to maneuver your arcs around the enemies. I actually really once I knew what I was supposed to do, which if you figure out pretty quick because if you don't, you're going to run out of lives. But <laughs> yeah. uh, once I figured out what I was supposed to do, it was I thought it was some of the better levels in the game, to be honest with you. You didn't have to constantly fling your yo-yo to look for the the special items. They were just there and maneuvering your character to get those items while avoiding enemies, I think, was was actually a pretty balanced challenge. It wasn't too difficult, but it wasn't extremely easy. Like you actually had to put some thought in how to maneuver Noid around everything that was going on and without having to worry about attacking anything. It was it was strictly dodging. So if you like shmups, I mean, it's it's a decent level. So I I, I can't complain. I had fun with it. No, no, I agree. I, I actually of, of all the levels in the game, I think this one I enjoyed more than than most for for all the reasons that you just said. And it's not a very long level either. Um, it was one of the few that I, well, I will say I knocked out in one shot, not including the times I fell to my doom uh, at the beginning of the level. But once I once I figured out the mechanic, I, I got it in one try. So, so yeah, I think it was pretty pretty well balanced. Yeah, especially with those later levels in the game uh, that you have that the enemy placement is just there to completely fuck with you. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> especially when they start flinging projectiles in all of your paths of jumping. And unless you know, you're going to die. So 
having those and being able to actually come up with a strategy to maneuver away if you haven't played the level before. I, that's why I like those levels, too. You didn't have to play those levels to beat them and figure out a way to win. Unlike all the other levels later in the game where you're kind of you're kind of screwed. Right. Speaking of screwed. Now we can finally talk about the boss battles. Oh, yeah. OK, uh, so the the boss battles in air quotes such as they are. So here's the thing. Uh, much like the the skateboarding and the auto gyro levels, uh, I will give credit where credit is due that this was an interesting twist on what we would traditionally consider a boss battle. Um, I was genuinely surprised by it when I saw it for the first time because I did not have any idea that this is what was happening or that this was included in the game before I played it for the first time. So for those of you who have not played Yonoid, which I would imagine would probably be most, the boss battles are less of a battle and more of a like number matching game almost <laughs> where you face off against another noid which again i am we're not real clear on the canonicity of multiple noids but with that uh point aside you have a you both have a collection of number cards basically which represent a stack of pizzas and the enemy will randomly choose one of their numbers and the idea is that you try to strategically either match their number, which nullifies the, the value completely, or trying to get a higher number. And the difference between the two numbers goes to the victor as a point. And whoever either completes their list of points, which is little pips at the bottom of the screen, or uh, wins... Or if you can force your opponent to run out of cards, then you also win. Like I said, it's an interesting mechanic, but uh, I think Chris will probably expound on this a little bit here in a second that I found out, unfortunately, about halfway through the game <laughs> that those very well-hidden collectible card things throughout each level are really crucial to these battles because they act as different power-ups to make these contests easier and uh i kind of ran out of those so chris you want to want to talk about that a little bit sure so you have four items on the side so how, how it's kind of set up before i kind of really go into this description is that yeah both sides will have all these cards with a numerical value i mean these are supposed to represent pizzas because you are the noid and you're going to pizza huts is they look like fucking pizza huts to me even though it's a domino's game i digress you have this card set up and I don't know what the grid is. I think it's like four by four. So I think you have 16 cards or something. And then on the side, you have four more cards. There's a two, a three, a pepper and Tabasco sauce. The two will double the amount of what any card you put out. The three will triple and the pepper and Tabasco sauce will nullify uh, whatever card that the other Noid throws out there. So the highest card that you can ever get in this game, you can't pick up cards for pizza values. The only things you can pick up are the double, triple salt and Tabasco. As far as I know, I don't I don't know right. if there's a way to change the numerical value of what you're granted in these battles, so to speak. But the, the boss Noid will always have a higher number. So you get to the end of the game and, and the boss itself has numerical value cards of five where and they'll have like three five cards and you'll you'll have a highest value of two four cards the good thing is, is that these bosses 
can't throw down, you know, your multipliers that you have. So they don't have a two multiplier. They don't have a three multiplier. They don't have salt. They don't have or pepper. They don't have uh, Tabasco sauce. So if you have tons of twos and threes, and I think they carry over from stage to stage, once you pick them up, like you have them for good. Because I remember there was a part I was facing off of the boss with like seven doubles in my inventory. <laughs> if you do that and you, and you play your cards right, I guess literally in this case, ah. uh, you can get a, like if they throw out a one pizza, you can throw out like a triple on a three. So you get a net benefit of eight that you fill up on, on your meter. And that's that's a huge difference. And then you just kind of bleed them out and then you use your double and your triple cards in order to get your objective. And you're not you're not penalized either for going over your amount. So essentially, it's just a race to close out the amount of pizza boxes you need to fill. And if you have those cards, it can be relatively easy. However, if you don't, you're just playing a numbers game, praying that they run out of cards before you're you're fucked over. Because that can happen. Which is exactly what I was doing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I had to get real good at the strategy of playing a card that was like only one or two value less than what they were playing to minimize the number of pizza points that they were getting each turn to just slowly, you know, through a war of attrition, uh, get them to run out of cards. That was actually what most of my encounters ended up being. But yeah, I mean, once you figured out how to get those items. Was it a little bit easier for you? Because I don't remember ever having problems with any of the bosses. Maybe one. Yeah. Once you once I started realizing I needed to focus on trying to find a lot of those hidden booster cards uh, that that makes a world of difference. Like it, it goes from those encounters taking several minutes, which is what the case was with me to a matter of, you know, seconds or at least a minute or two or less uh if you've got the right boosters so it, it does make a pretty significant difference mm. so yeah i also say like the the final boss being one of those battles really makes for an anticlimactic ending I, I i guess it could have been a little bit better alex kid does the same thing and a bunch of people like alex kid but there's a reason why bosses went more the mario route than alex kid or this route it's because you, you get done with it. It's kind of like, oh, that was that was a thing. And it, it's it's kind of disappointing. I really I kind of I kind of wish that there was just more closure, I guess, even though closure is probably not the best word because it's a batshit crazy plot. <laughs> it's just more more meaning. It's just it kind of felt like once you knew how to play the card game and you had enough items, like the boss battles were more procedural than anything meaningful. So that's that was kind of a letdown. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the 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 boss encounters just overall um, wear out their welcome, like after the first one, in my opinion, because it's yeah. like it's kind of a novelty of like, oh, th this is how I do this. OK, that's fucking weird. And then after that, once you've gotten over that initial kind of surprise, then it's just yeah, like you said, it's just a procedural thing where you're just going through the motions and it's not particularly compelling. Um, and the fact that the difficulty of these encounters swings so wildly, almost entirely dependent on these very obscurely hidden collectibles throughout each of the levels is not not a great design choice, in my opinion, um, because if you don't know that, like I didn't, then, like I said, these boss battles 
get real fucking tedious. Like it was several minutes of just back and forth and that loses its luster real quick. Mm. You know what has pretty good luster though Mm. is the graphical presentation. It actually isn't bad. I like luster. You said you're calling it lackluster. No, I said I, I, I like luster. Yeah, luster. I like the word luster. Yeah. I don't know to spell it R E or E R, but the, the luster with the, these graphics are actually pretty good. I would say they're average for a 1990 game. Yeah, they, they don't really stand out. I mean, they look decent enough. I've definitely seen worse looking NES games. The Noid is nicely detailed. You can tell it's the Noid. I think the sprite for the Noid is actually really good looking. Uh, enemy sprites, for the most part, are there. The sprite design is OK, but like the color choice is kind of shit i thought the the use of color for for the levels in general was kind of blah really there there are some that look okay but for the most part it's kind of yeah see that's surprising because i i actually had a, a different reaction i when i first fired this up and got into the first level um I, I was actually surprised by just how colorful it actually was um i i was expecting mm. it to be like I was expecting it to be way less quality than it turned out to be. And again, I think a lot of that may have to do with its its roots as an original IP. But yeah, no, I, I was actually somehow impressed by by the overall quality. The again, like I will agree with you though that the the actual sprites, the, the enemy sprites and what have you, are just they're serviceable. Like they're there. It's nothing to really write home about. I think the Noid mm-hmm. sprite is is pretty well done. But no, I, I actually was pretty impressed with the the, the backgrounds and, and also kind of the varied environments that you get. Though, having said that, I didn't mention it in the gameplay, but um, fuck ice levels just in general. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. That's the second level. Yeah, it didn't need to be there. Why the fuck is there a frozen level in the middle of New York City? Like, I fucking hate ice physics, man. It's winter. That's why the polar bears yeah, sure. came down from Canada to invade New York. That's right. Oh, over the Niagara Falls, they came in the dead of night. I think because I actually played a little bit of Kamen no Ninja Hanumaru and the, the graphics there, like the environments make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that like it actually makes more sense in a, a contextual way because I have no idea. But the environments remember like when you're in one of those levels. I know we're kind of dipping back into the gameplay a little bit, but remember that level like where the water was dripping and the water would hurt you? Yeah. You're like, why would water hurt me with this stupid European, you know, level design concept in Harumaru? It's you're in a fire level and those are those are fireballs that are coming down from the ceiling. Yeah, that that does make a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, it's like a volcano level. It's a little bit more interesting in, in that game. I will say I was impressed by the the eight bit pixel art American flag, I think, in like the third or fourth level. I thought that was. cute. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, that's. That's an obvious pander to your American audiences. <laughs> like, hey, look, yeah, America. Y'all, y'all like pizza <laughs> and America. I'm surprised there were no like eagles present in this game anywhere. Uh, yeah, there weren't any eagles. I mean, there was the were, no, there were eagles. You killed them with your yo-yo, though. I I don't recall that. Maybe there weren't eagles. That seems very anti-American. There there are definitely birds. I don't remember what level they were, but they would fly at you and the fish would it's fly always got to be birds. If there's anything we learned from Ninja Gaiden there, there always has to be birds fucking birds. <laughs> <sighs> what do you think of this game's music? Uh, 
so <laughs> I mean, it's not bad in some odd way. It actually kind of reminds me of the soundtrack from um, the Ninja Turtles game, the, the original one for the NES. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it kind of has the same vibe. So it's fine. Uh, my issue actually doesn't have to do with the music itself. It's more mm-hmm. that the tracks loop a little too quickly. Uh, like the first stage, for example, if you listen to that, that track, it loops about every 25 seconds or so. So it gets repetitive, like really quick, especially if you end up dying over and over again, which um, I do will do and you will. But the worst one was the boss battles. Again, we're, we're harping on this boss battle thing a little bit, but um, most of the aspects of it were not great. And the music is also part of that because the loop on that one is about 18 seconds. And for something where if you didn't know, like me, and didn't have the power up cards to make those battles go by faster, you were sitting listening to an 18 second loop for like five fucking minutes. <laughs> it gets real old. <laughs> I'll say I'll, I'll agree with you. Like the music's pretty good. It's not standing up with a lot of other Capcom classics. That's for sure. I, I couldn't even tell you if it was a Capcom game, if I was just casually listening to it. Right. It's it's not bad. It's just there. I think it, it kind of goes along with the theme for this entire game is you could do worse. <laughs> it's it's I think the thing about the music, too, is that you'll get like the same tune for two levels. And then it'll switch to a different tune. And the first time you hear these tunes, it's kind of like, okay, this is pretty good. But it'll go for the entirety of that level. And then it'll go for the entirety of another level. And it really wears out its welcome. And that's that's a pretty common thing that video games would do. Even go back to, you know, Mario 3 or uh, a lot of other Nintendo games where different levels would share the same music. But they would typically break it up. So like a stage three would have the same music as a stage five you'd have a difference right. in music in between. Whereas this game is like, okay, stage one and two are going to have the same music and stage three and four is going to have the same music and same with five and six. So they really make the music that's there get really stale, which is unfortunate because I think it's it's pretty good. It's not super memorable, not super catchy, but it's pretty good. But by the end of the game, you're just not going to hear any of it. I, I will say it's nice and bouncy and light. So it's it's not going to force me to listen to something else while I'm playing it. I think it's I think it's actually a better game if you listen to all the sounds and soundtrack while playing this game. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm not going to sit down and, you know, put it on a top any list of of OSTs that people need to go listen to from the NES. It's not even close. Yeah. What, what we're saying is this will not be one that you will want to buy on vinyl. Someone will, though. And then you know what? That actually would be pretty cool. If you make it a vinyl and you you put it in like a Domino's pizza box and the vinyl itself is is like a pizza. God damn it. Don't don't give them any more ideas. We don't need more unnecessarily collectibles. God damn it. That could work. I could totally see that working. I don't want a fully orchestrated version on the B side. You heard me. You heard me, Capcom. Make this happen. I mean, if there was a time to do it, it would be now. You know, the Noid is back, so. And so is vinyl collecting. True. There you are. True. You're welcome. You can you can send royalties to our Patreon account. <laughs> uh, all right. So before we kind of wrap this up, um, I did have a couple of just kind of miscellaneous fun facts to throw in here mm-hmm. just for for some for some flavor, if you will. Uh, so in 1988, there was a Saturday morning cartoon series called The Noids that was being planned by CBS that would feature 
the uh, the titular Noid. But uh, the series was scrapped uh, due to complaints that it was just an advertising vehicle what? and not actually a show for children, Wait, which what? I find fucking hilarious <laughs> because if anybody remembers anything about all of the cartoons that we watched when we were kids, and by the way, this is coming from someone who has a shelf of Ninja Turtle action figures behind him. Every single one of those shows was made specifically to shill toys to us. So like the fact that this was the reason it was scrapped is just mm, it's mwah, it's perfect. You can't advertise pizza. You can only advertise plastic. What do you think you're doing? Yeah. Like what? This this isn't going to sell toys. We can't do that. Although they did make Noid plushies at one point. And also the other one was just, I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the episode, but that this was in fact not the first video game outing for the Noid. There was a game in 1989 called Avoid the Noid for personal computers, where as I mentioned, you play as a a Domino's delivery person who is trying to get that pizza to people under the 30 minutes, such is their guarantee. Not anymore though. They They stopped that because people were doing insane things to try to get pizza to houses in 30 minutes as it turns out so that was actually the the first the first venture into the digital space that the noid had Mm. i actually have one thing here too yeah this is actually based off the engine of a namco game called wagon land wagon land is a game where you play as a dinosaur that's i i can only assume is screening obscenities at his enemies (laughs) and it's mostly a game that's targeted heavily towards children so how that became a game with high level memorization, and extremely frustrating enemy placement is beyond me. Yonoid is a skin flip from a Japanese game that shared an engine with a rival company uh, from a different game. See, there you go. Companies doing asset flips way before Steam ever existed. Yep, it's not it's it, you could say it's all about unity. <laughs> exactly. So last thing that we need to touch on. Before we uh, shut this thing down, does this game hold up today? What do you think, Chris? <sighs> for the memes. It holds up for the memes, I guess. Ah, for the memes. It's there if you're curious. It's there because it exists. And it's not a terrible game, but it's an average NES game. So for most people, no. And it never really held up to begin with, you know, with most games that are, you know, are just. Not very good, but in terms of can you get some weird enjoyment out of it or or have some laughs with some friends playing it over some dominoes and and Coors Light, then yes, you can. It's it's worth it in that sense. But just generically speaking, do you need to go out and play this game? No, it's, it's an average NES game, and that's about all it is. Yeah, um, I mean, as far as shameless cash grabs go, probably one of the better ones, surprisingly. And I think our brief history kind of summed it up nicely in that it's a curiosity, I think, at best. Um, Is it something that you absolutely need to experience to feel fulfilled in your life? No, not not at all. But it is a pretty competent platformer um, that won't really offend any of your sensibilities. But just go into it knowing that you will die a lot. And as I've said before, save states are your best friend and that is no different here so just just go in knowing that ahead of time 
and you'll you'll probably do all right. They need to make a, a Noid mod for Dark Souls. <laughs> Surprise that hasn't happened already. Actually, you just reminded me quick extra bonus miscellaneous tidbit. Uh, there was a game jam in 2017 where somebody made an unofficial sequel to this. You know, I've heard that that one's actually pretty good. Maybe maybe we'll need to play it on stream at some point. That might have to be a thing. It would have to be free so that we could that could probably happen. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of the stream, I guess that's going to function as good of a segue as any other to talking a little bit of, about our plugs here at the end of the show. So um, if you are interested in checking us out outside of the the show itself that you are listening to right now, which, by the way, uh, if this is your first time here, then hello. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Um, if you are a return listener, then, of course, we are forever grateful for your continued patronage. But we are out there in a couple different places. We have our public discord. We have our Patreon, the merch store, uh, our socials, the, the YouTube channel, the Twitch streams. We've got it all. And you can find all of those things by going to our link tree, which is at linktree slash retro hangover. That is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash retro hangover. And all of the, uh, the the fancy buttons are there for you to to go off to whichever thing your heart so desires. And uh, Chris, would you like to uh, expound upon our stream Sundays? So if you go to OnlyFans, we're streaming every Sunday. No, I'm just kidding. Mm. Not yet. Hot gamer content. Yes, hot tub. Be in a hot tub. Yes. <laughs> so if you go to twitch.tv, no hot tubs. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Retro Hangover, and you can find that in the link tree. We will stream games at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Just hang tight, because sometimes OBS or my internet never wants to cooperate. But we will do something there, whatever that might be. By the time you're listening to this, I may have already wrapped up Final Fantasy V for the four-job fiesta. So, might be playing that, might not be. We'll see. I might be playing Yonoid on that stream. So, yeah. Come there, hang out. We'll have a good time. Our chat's crazy. Uh, shout outs to Llama and Randall. Raging Demon last time. And just all our, essentially everyone is our Discord. Comes and hangs out if they can be there. And it's a great time. It's almost as inappropriate as our Discord. Sometimes more inappropriate. <laughs> True. So we hope to see you there and have a good time. All right. And, and of course, the, the requisite shout out to our wonderful editor, Ashton Ruby, who is also one of our super patrons. You are amazing. And we we appreciate everything you do. Thank you, Ashton. And with all of that being said, until next time. Play with your smushed pizza joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in headfirst with full 12 ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. 
Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's bit.ly slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.